Welcome to the Digital Marketing Masters Podcast with your host, Matt Rouse. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Digital Marketing Masters. I'm your host, Matt Rouse. And today, my guest is Richard Gilbo. Richard, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, man. Thank you for asking. Hey, I think the topic today, we're going to talk a little bit about credit repair and credit for both personal and business credit. And also, you know, of course, a little bit about AI. I think the first thing that we want to talk about, you have a lot of experience doing like education around credit. Mm. How did you get started doing that? Ooh, man. So I actually started in 2015. I was in the oil field at the time and the oil field got slow. I ended up getting laid off when I was trying to start my first company. Mm -hmm. But when I got laid off, my credit got horrible. I had a brand new card. I got uh, repossessed. We got evicted. My wife was still in school to be a nurse, so she couldn't help, and we didn't have no money coming in. So my credit got horrible. Once we started getting back on our feet, I started learning about credit, and I started spending a lot of time and a lot of money on education and building profiles out and, you know, really understanding the value of it. Because once you don't have it, you realize how much you need it. Right. So that's when I really started learning about it. Because my credit was horrible, I had to learn how to fix it. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to get anything. You know, you need, a, you need credit even to rent nowadays, so we couldn't even rent anything. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, that's kind of a state by state thing, right? Yes. Yeah, I don't no, think definitely. like Oregon, I don't think they're allowed to check your credit for rentals. I don't I don't know. I'm not an attorney or anything, but yeah. if I remember correctly, it's been a while. This happens to a lot of people, right? I mean, you get laid yes. off, something happens, life happens, right? There's some kind yes. of financial problem. For whatever reason, you can't make your payments, you know, on your credit cards or something, right? For a little while, people get a new job, right? They start working again, money starts coming back in. What's the like first step when you're getting back on your feet? So the first thing is just definitely make sure you're catching up on all of the bills you're behind on. You know, whatever you're behind on, pay that. Make sure you're being responsible with everything else. Pay down your personal credit cards because if you want to have higher scores, your credit utilization is one of your biggest parts, the biggest portion of your credit score. So you pay those credit cards down, make sure you're on time with the rest of your payments, and then your scores will slowly start to go back up. If you still have the negative things on there, your scores will kind of stay down a little bit. But as long as you're making your payments on time, you can start getting the age behind those uh, negatives that you have, then your scores will start increasing. Yeah, I think one thing that a lot of people kind of don't consider when they're in the thick of a problem is how quickly the time is going to pass once you kind of get back on your feet. Exactly, you know? exactly, yeah. Um, you know, they think about it as, I'm in this situation right now. It feels like it lasts forever, but it right. doesn't. You know, it's always, it's cliche to say it, but it's always light at the end of the tunnel. And once you get there and you're outside, it's like you don't really remember all the stuff that happened in the past. Yeah. When you got all those bills, you know, back on track, you're making whatever your minimums are on stuff. And, mm -hmm. and you get that, you know, 120 days of regular payments, suddenly your score starts to move again. You're like, exactly. oh, wait, there is a light at the end of this <laughs> exactly, time. Exactly, exactly. Right? Man. So let's talk about business credit for a second. Because, I mean, most of the people listening to the podcast have a business or, you know, are part of a business or they're a solo entrepreneur kind of thing. What I find is that people have a very misunderstanding of credit for business. And what that kind of comes from is they go, okay, well, if I'm going to start a business, I'm going to rack up my credit card to buy all the stuff that I need. And then I start making money and then I pay off my personal credit card. And then I'm using, you know, my business bank account now for stuff. Mm -hmm. And then 
but they don't have any no any, any idea where to go like how does business credit from there get built correct so one of the first things i always start with the foundation when it comes to building business credit so a lot of times people will talk to me they'll get on these calls and they say hey i think i have some business credit but i'm not sure but you have to be really intentional about building business credit because just having business credit cards they might not report to the business credit profiles so you still don't have business credit but the very foundation of it first is making sure you, you have the right business name having the wrong business name can actually get you denied because it puts you in a high risk or restricted industry category. When banks see that, like trucking, finance, real estate, investments, if you have anything like that in your name, you actually classify yourself as a high risk company. Okay. So if you were to get approved, you would get very low, you would get a lot lower limits, but most of the time you will get denied just from having the wrong business name. So you have to get the right business name, make sure you're not in a high risk industry. You have to have the correct business address because most lenders and most banks and most business credit issuers will not want to fund you if you have a home-based business. Okay. Even though a lot of businesses run out of home, right. you can't use a home address and you can't use a PO box. So you have to kind of work around that. And maybe if you don't need a commercial address that spends, you know, you spend thousands of dollars a month on that, then you can also get a virtual office with places like Opus and, you know, Alliance mm -hmm. and things like that. And then your next thing after you have that address is having business phone numbers. You have to have, you can't use your cell phone number. You have to have a commercial number. You have to have an 800 number, a fax number, even though most people don't use fax nowadays. When you fill out the applications, it's kind of AI driven, you know, especially for credit cards. If you don't meet all of the requirements and you don't fill out most of those spaces, then you're going to look bad to the AI and they're not going to want to fund you. So having a fax number, even though you might not use it, you still need it. Fax number, business, email, you know, like not a Gmail, not a Hotmail, like info at abcllc.com. Your domain. Domain. Yep. Correct. Correct. And uh, email, website, uh, license, if you need a license, because some places will look it up. And the stuff sounds like it's so minuscule and it's not important. But I can tell you, when I'm on the phone with some of these bankers, when I tell them who I am and what the name of my business is, they're looking it up while I'm on the phone with them. So before right. I get into the bank, they already know who I am and what I do. Or if you just walk into the bank, when they're on their computer and you can't see what they're doing, they're looking you up. They're checking your address and see what pops up in Google. Right. And then another big thing is that when they're pulling your business uh, address, if it if it looks, uh, I'm sorry, if you have a business address that's your home address, that's public information. So people right. can actually just Google that and see exactly where you stay at. So it's, it's, it's unsafe and it's unprofessional. Yeah, they can go in and go to like, you know, Google Street View and be like, oh, that's an apartment building. Exactly, you know? exactly. Sweet 601. Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> you know exactly where you live. 601B. Exactly, exactly. You know, they do that to, to like spoof addresses in the SEO world. Everybody's mm -hmm. always trying to work that system. They're like, I work out of my house, but I need a business address. So they'll take like an office building down the street that's one floor and they'll be like, mm -hmm. Sweet 201. Yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah. only a one floor building. You know? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's super interesting. And, you know, you we talked a little bit about, you know, there about the AI looking at applications. And, mm -hmm. I mean, you and I were talking before about, you know, how AI is used in the, in the industry. How do you think that's going to kind of pan out in the next little bit here? So I actually think that some people have said that they're even going to, AI is going to take over, like, a lot of security. So you won't have usernames and passwords and things like that in the future. Not sure how, how true that is, but I mean, it does. It definitely sounds kind of possible. 
you know, fraud prevention is, is uh, you know, when you use your credit card, if you're normally staying in one area and you decide to go out of state on vacation and you don't let your bank know, your credit cards might not work because the AI is looking at it and the algorithm is saying they're normally not in this area. So this must be fraud. So they'll, they'll stop your credit cards from working. So I think it's very important to understand how the AI works when it comes to banking and financing, even credit repair. So you can stay on top of it, you know, let you make know when you're going out of right. town, which you shouldn't have to do that stuff. But that's just what the AI looks at. And it, it does help right. in some instances. But for the most part, I think you just have to overly communicate and understand how their AI and their system works. I think an interesting thing, and I, I just traveled, right? Like I just went to Cleveland for the marketing artificial intelligence mm -hmm. convention, right? And so what I did is I booked my hotel and my flight with points from you know one of the banks that has credit cards and stuff for us and then mm. i used the cards from that bank at the airport at the gas station right yeah. at the other airport on the way there i bought a coffee or whatever right you know then i use that while i'm there and then it doesn't get flagged because they've tracked oh yeah well we know you're going mm -hmm. there because you bought plane tickets to there exactly, exactly. and you you yeah. know so sometimes you can kind of work that system where you just use the same card for the whole trip all the exactly. way through there and back, you know, or at least from the same bank that can avoid the fraud protection. Sometimes, mm. you know, you get a thing on your app, you know, where you just got to go in and say, yes, this was me. Exactly. They might send you a text message sometimes. A lot of times I get a phone call and they're like, hey, did you use your card here? Yes, I did. Or they'll send you, a, like American Express is good for sending me a text message and say, hey, did you spend this at this place? And just reply one for yes and two for no. So yeah, you do get, I do get those messages a lot too. Talking about travel and, and kind of credit and money and stuff as a business owner, I mean, we run a marketing agency, right? So mm -hmm. when we pay for ads, we use a credit card that has points, right? Because we want to get the airline points mm -hmm. and then exactly. you could actually use an airline points credit card to pay for your advertising and your marketing and stuff. Mm -hmm. And yep. then you use the points from that card for your trip and you put your air miles number or whatever it is for that airline mm -hmm. in. Right. Mm -hmm. And so now you're double collecting, right? Because you're exactly. getting the points on the points and you're using the airline card exactly. to begin with. And you get to have like free drinks and business class on your way. Exactly. And you know, if you have, so like the American Express platinum card, when you're at the airports, there's certain lounges that you can go in. And instead of you sitting around and, you know, you know, if, if you travel a lot, you know, going to the terminal and just waiting there for an hour, it gets, it's boring. And then a lot of people just staring at you, you know, but when you have American Express Platinum, you, there's different lounges like Delta Sky Lounge, Centurion Lounges, where you can actually go in there. They're kind of secluded and there's free food. There's, you know, I, I don't know if they have drinks and stuff like that, but there's free food. You Usually they got coffee and juice. Coffee and juice. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's always, it does pay to have those credit cards and American Express gold card, they actually give you four times the money that you spend if you use it on advertising. So nice. whereas you use one card and you might get, let's say you spend $900 and get 900 points with American Express and you spend $900 or $1,000, you get 4,000 points instead. So right. the points do add up and then that's where you get your free flights, your free hotels, and you can even use the points to pay for the items that you spend money on. You know, so if you go in the store and buy, let's say you buy lunch for the team, and it's $500 or something like that. You can actually use the points to pay off the meal that you pay for the team. Oh yeah. That's a, that's a good tip on that one. I like that. 
You know, yeah. our, so our company is also a merchant processor, right? Okay. So we accept payments. Mm -hmm. And so we understand the payment processing industry. And mm -hmm. one thing that's interesting is if you get a card, like a points card, like American Express or something, and you're accepting that as payment for your company, mm -hmm. you're probably going to pay like maybe as much as like 4% on that card, right? Yeah. But if somebody uses like just kind of the regular non-points credit card, it could be as mm -hmm. low as like 2.2, 2.3%, yeah. yeah. right? So you can save about 1.5% on every bill. Mm -hmm. If the bills are in the thousands of dollars over the years, I mean, that could be hundreds of dollars a month between all yeah. your customers, right? Or thousands yeah. in some cases. Mm -hmm. So a good trick, and I'm not saying that you should do this, but a good trick is to only accept cards that are not american express because the percentage is lower and then use your american express to pay for stuff like mm, from google and sense. bing and places like that right yeah because then you're still getting the points but then you're paying a lower percentage fee on the incoming money that makes sense that makes and sense so you get to get that one and a half percent in there trade-off one more thing that i wanted to ask you about and we talked about ai right a little bit and how it's used for you know trying to when you, all the things that you need to do to tell the AI that, you know, you're a safe person to bank with yeah. as, I mean, let's face it, more of those AI systems are going to be used in the place of real people making those decisions. I'm not yeah. saying they're going to replace the people. I'm saying that the person will probably run you through the system and do more verifications mm -hmm but they're not going to be the one verifying it as often mm -hmm. as the AI will. Yes. And I know that they've used these systems like these kind of deep learning systems for years now, like you were saying, yes. and they've looked at all the credit risks of all the different things that people do. And they've said, okay, well, how risky is this person? And that's kind of how they determine your limits and your interest rates and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I guess going forward, what's your advice since more of these systems are going to be automated, is it just to try and make yourself look as credit worthy as possible and check as many boxes as you can? Or is there kind of more of a strategy to it? Oh, yeah. So what we do is a lot. So for credit cards, I do see that it could get it could get a little harder. Credit cards are very easy to get as long as you do check off all the boxes. But for like lines of credit, we do everything relationship based. So we'll find managers and relationship managers and things like that who we can really form a relationship with so we can send people directly to them and that relationship manager it was help is what helps you to kind of beat the algorithm and not beat it but work with the algorithm to help you to get high limit approvals so having a good relationship in place i think it helps and so far as far as i know the lines of credit aren't going to be replaced by ai I don't know how, how long that's going to be for, but for right now, you know, banking is always tightening up their uh, their reins on the funding. You know, as you can see, a lot of banks are going out of business. But so far, having a relationship with the branch managers or with relationship managers at the banks mm -hmm. can help you to get those approvals. So we try to keep everything as relationship based as possible and we keep the human touch in it. You know, if I need to, I'll fly out and take a manager to lunch or something like that so we can really understand, you know, what's going on with the bank. Should I continue sending people here or what do we need to be doing so that we can have or what do my people need to have so that we can get better approvals and things like that? But they still have to make sure that they're making sure they mitigate risk for the bank as well. So we still have to check off all those boxes. We still have to look good on paper. We still have to have the foundation good and the personal credit good. But 
just having that relationship of that inside person who can give you better tips on how to get the funding, it definitely helps. Nice. So how do you work with businesses and people when it comes to credit? Do they, is there some kind of like, you're like consultant and you help them get credit or fix credit? How does that work? So on the personal credit side, we do all of the work for them. I have a team, my, actually my lead credit specialist used to work in TransUnion and in Equifax. So the big thing about credit is that a lot of times your things will get reported inaccurately or unverifiable. And for me personally, if I have a account on my credit, that's like $10,000 and you can't verify that it was actually me or it was not me why should i why should i pay that ten thousand dollars plus the interest and fees if it's not actually me that did it right a lot of times those debts see a lot, a lot of times the debts will actually get paid for by the government and they're supposed to give you a tax write-off which is a 1099 and that's why on your credit it'll say written off account or profits and profit and loss because they actually got paid for that account already and they're supposed okay. to send you a 1099 but they don't so they'll take the money for the account and then still come after you for more money and they just get paid twice. That's sketchy. Exactly, exactly. So for things like that, you know, you can get those things removed. So we remove all of that stuff for them. You know, my team actually knows who to talk to. We don't do, we don't really send letters unless we have to. My team knows exactly who to call, like what numbers to call, what to say on the phone to get these removals as fast as possible. And some clients actually get removals in like the first couple of hours of working with us. Not, not a whole profile won't be clean. But right. some things will come off and you can see that we're working. And on the business credit side, we do more consulting on that side. We're going to show you what accounts to get that's going to report, what bureaus they report to. There's a certain, there is a sequence to it. There's certain accounts that you can only get when you're first starting out. You can't get them. You can't get a lot of accounts if you don't have business credit already. So it's kind of a step ladder. And we do work with them to get those lower level accounts and then level up and level up and level up. Um, but we do consulting on that side. We don't do it for them because we'd have to have like their credit card information and then we could possibly purchase things that they don't actually need. So it just puts a lot of risk on our side and we don't want to waste their money. Right. So, yeah, for business credit, we do it with them. For personal credit, we do it for them. And for business funding, we do it with them. I kind of separate business credit and business funding. To me, business credit is going to be no personal guarantee accounts that's going to be only on the business side. But business funding can be business credit cards, lines of credit, and loans. Okay. And so, I mean, you said no guarantee on it. That's in business finance. What you're trying to do is get it so that the business is holding the liability instead of the ownership, right? Correct. Like, like the old saying says, rich people control everything but own nothing. Their business right. has the credit. So the business, you, you know, you as a person, you have your own credit profile, but your business can have a credit profile as well. It's called your EIN number. It's like your business is social. So you can have accounts that's attached to the business side, but not attached to you personally. Nice. Richard, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, talk about credit, what's the best place for them to do that? Oh, it's probably Instagram. Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. I'm all over social media. It's all the same name, Richard Gilbo. Right. And uh, you can reach me on all of those. Sounds good. We'll put that in the show notes. And Richard, thanks for being on the show today. And uh, it was a pleasure having you on. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me here. I hope you enjoyed Digital Marketing Masters. Check out our back catalog of episodes for more than 200 interviews with top digital marketers, authors, and productivity experts. Stay tuned for the next episode where we talk about more AI tactics and applications you can start using right now, just like me. Remember to tap like, subscribe, and follow to never miss a show.